Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. I'm not going to reference it today in the sermon, but there you go. What we're going to do is spend the next uh, six-ish weeks looking at the Matthew 4 scripture passage of Jesus being in the wilderness. And so we're going to take it a couple of verses at a time. Um, you heard the two verses that we read today. And we'll have another scripture passage that will maybe talk about the topic that we're talking about. So today I want to talk about two things. One is, is fasting. That's kind of our, our subject matter for today. But I also want to talk about and introduce the idea of wilderness, which is what this, this whole sermon series is about. But before we do the good work of talking about wilderness and fasting, I invite you to let's begin with prayer. Holy and gracious God, we woke up this morning distracted, empty, anxious-filled, joyful. We woke up this morning in a variety of states, and yet the constant thing is that you were there, that your presence has not left us. In this time of teaching, may our hearts be opened to hear what you would have us to hear, to know what you would have us to know. May our hearts be open and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You, God, are our rock and our redeemer. You are the constant presence in our place of emptiness. May it be so. So, does anybody know, uh, Hallmark, I don't think, makes cards for this, but does anybody know the major holiday that happened on Wednesday? Ash Wednesday. Anybody send Ash Wednesday cards or anything? To No, probably not. I have yet to see one of those. But this past Wednesday was called Ash Wednesday. For those of you that are not familiar with that tradition, it is the first day of Lent. Lent is a time of preparation for, um, for coming to experience the mystery and miracle of Easter. And so it is a time of 40 days and 40 nights, not counting Sundays, where you um, intentionally uh, be reminded that you are God's own and to turn toward God and begin some sort of practice or to give up something that, it, that will allow you to become more closer to God. And so it is, um, in some ways, and so we do that by, by putting a sign of a cross on your forehead and telling you from ashes you came to ashes you will return and to repent and believe in the gospel. And so when we do this, we do this on the streets of Chicago, in L stations, in um, Daly Plaza, in a variety of places. And I see this act, we talk about it as uh, evangelism. 
It's kind of one part evangelism. We're getting out of our comfort zone and we're uh, doing public ministry, right? And, and letting people know that um, they should um, invite them into this like 40 days of preparation for Easter. It's also one part pastoral care, like a, or, or a care act. There's just people that work busy lives and they don't have time to go to worship um, on Wednesday because they, they work or they have a class or something. And so we are out on the streets making it convenient. It's one part pastoral care. And finally, I think it's also one part just like John the Baptist weird and wild, right? John the Baptist uh, was a... Um, a guy that came before Jesus and, and led the way to Jesus, and he was like, he wore camel's hair, and um, he was just a little bit weird and wild. He ate locusts and honey. Um, if, if you want to read about him, turn to Matthew 3 just before this, and you'll see he's kind of weird and wild. So we were out there on the streets. Um, on Wednesday morning, I'll call Jessica out without any socks on and, um, and Cody without a hat. I don't know what happened. We all came, I forgot, yeah or without a coat, and I didn't have a hat. We were all half-dressed, um, standing out there, and people would say, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And, and uh, we would say something like, you know, um, it, it's uh, time to remember that you are God's and to turn back toward God, and, and people would say, okay, I want that. And so I, uh, trying to be relevant, instead of using the ancient words of the church, I used the lyrics from Mumford & Sons, um, which listen to these. In these bodies we will live. In these bodies we will die. Where you invest your love, you invest your life. Awake your soul and turn toward God. Pretty beautiful, yes. And so we would do this over and over again um, and invite people to turn toward God. That's what the journey of Lent is about. Repent is a word that we sometimes get scared of, but it just means to, to stop doing what you're doing and to turn toward God. And so we did this over and over again, inviting people to turn toward God. These words of invitation to spend 40 days in preparation and waiting, it's not something, it, it's an ancient tradition of the church, but it's also biblical. Um, the, uh, this idea of 40 days of preparation, or in, in one case, 40 years, it is a, it is a way for us to um, wait in the wilderness of our hearts and watch for God to show up. It is, a, it is an invitation to um, see what God's next move will be. It's an invitation to trust in God's mercy. I want to I see if you, I'm going to give you a little test of Bible knowledge. How many of you guys, just throw out this in a minute, can think of a story in Scripture, um, besides the one we just read about Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, how many of you can think of a place in Scripture, a story, where um, people were in the wilderness for 40 days or 40 nights, or in one case, 40 years? Throw one out. The Israel, yeah, yeah. So that was, that was the 40-year one. See, I gave a good hint there. Um, the Israelites escaped slavery, and then they waited in the desert, in the wilderness, for 40 years preparing for the arrival of them to go into the promised land. Okay, that's, so that's a, that's a time of weed, waiting in wilderness. Can, um, how many of you can think of another one? Noah. Noah. I, I, Noah's a hard one to me because we think about the wilderness as being a desert place. It's a place of few resources. And Noah was in anything but a desert, right? He was drenched in rain. 
he and his family, but they were in a place of few resources, right? Because there was so much water, um, and that was 40 days and 40 nights that they waited to see what God's next move might be. Where else? There's two others. Okay, we already said, that's like the Sunday school answer. Jesus. <laughs> Love it. Who said that? <laughs> um, <laughs> There's two others. They're not as common, but they're in the Old Testament. Everybody get out their Bible phones and look. What's that? Who said it? Yes! A plus for you. Elijah. Elijah waited um, and fasted in the desert while he was waiting to see what a new commission from God would be. 40 days and 40 nights, yes. And there's one more. Anybody? Who's the, who's the most common person in the Bible other than Jesus? Adam Moses. Moses. Yeah, I love it. Enoch was even in the first service, and he's like yelling out. <laughs> <laughs> Moses. Moses fasted and prayed and waited for 40 days and 40 nights on Mount Sinai uh, while he was inscribing with his little hammer and chisel or whatever he used for the Ten Commandments, right? So these were times of preparation, of waiting, of clarifying uh, what God was calling people to next. So we are invited to do this very same thing in the, in the, um, in the steps of our forefathers and mothers in faith. We too are invited into a time of preparation and waiting and fasting. And so on Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, we publicly invited people to engage, to repent, to turn toward God and engage in a deeper relationship um, with God. And so today, I want to invite you to do that too. If you missed Ash Wednesday, it's okay. You can start today. I want to invite you to do that too. And I want to invite you to do that through fasting. Fasting can get a bad rap. How many of y'all saw the movie Chocolat from like 15, 20 years ago, right? It's this movie of a guy who feels like to honor God, he should deprive himself and have willpower to just give up eating chocolate for Lent to show what a good Christian he is. And then he ends up not having the willpower and he breaks into the candy shop and gorges himself like the day before Easter, right? That's not the kind of fasting that I'm asking you to do nor am I asking you to do the kind of fast where you publicly deprive yourself of something and then you continue to live a life the same way, which is what Isaiah is talking about in Scripture. It doesn't transform you or affect you. You don't see anything differently. It's just something you do. You continue to cause harm in the world. I'm not asking you to do that kind of fast either. What I'm going to ask you to fast is different. Before I tell you what it is, I'm going to tell you about a podcast I was listening to earlier this week. Um, I was listening to this podcast, and the woman who was speaking was talking about how we live in a perpetual state of being twired. That is a combination of tired and wired. And we live in this state because we do not know how to let our bodies rest. We do not know how to be with our emotions and our feelings. And so we wire ourselves. We distract ourselves 
from the very thing that we should be sitting with. Um, it can happen in a variety of ways. I, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna name a couple of things right now, and they are not in and of themselves bad things, but they are things that we use to become that that make to wire us so that we don't have to sit with our weariness. So let me just throw it out there. How many of you enjoy binge watching TV? Okay. Anybody ever do that as a way to numb yourself? Yeah. Oh, everybody's like, amen. Yeah. That's called being in a state of tiredness and using TV. I, I do it too. Don't worry. You know, I'm like, and using TV as a way to numb or continue to be wired so that you don't have to deal with the real stuff that's happening. Anybody ever uh, check Facebook um, like eight times in five minutes? Or your email, even though you just like checked? Or to see if you have any text messages, or to see, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you use your phone as a way, like, oh, there must be, I don't feel good about, oh, I don't have my phone on me. I don't feel good right now. Uh, I'm feeling something, and so let me just look to my phone for an answer. It's a state of twi I'm, I'm glad I'm getting some talking back, yeah. That's called being twired, right? Or maybe we don't wire ourselves, but we numb ourselves. Anybody turn to alcohol? You don't, maybe you don't want to say amen to that because it feels more faux pas or something. But we turn to alcohol or drugs, anything, right? You know what I'm talking about. So we do this, I think we do this because when we're tired, when we're truly tired, and, and raise your hand if you're tired. Yeah. If we don't wire ourselves up or numb ourselves out, then those defenses that we use to show the entire world that we're okay, they start to kind of fall away. They wear down, and the wild things of fear, of anxiety, of shame, of anger, of loneliness, they start to bubble up within us. And these experiences that start to bubble up within us then can be, they can make us feel even more isolated, right? We can feel even more shame. They're not the ways of being that we can feel good about or have pride in. And so, we try to push them at bay. But all of those experiences that I'm talking about, you know what I want to call those things? The wilderness. Those are wilderness experiences. And so what I want to invite you to fast from today is the very thing that you use to keep you twired. What is the thing that you use to distract you from experiencing your emotions? What is the thing in your life that you turn to so that you don't have to deal with the messiness of your life? What is the thing that you keep doing over and over and over again to keep you from slipping into the wilderness? I kind of already shared this, or maybe I already showed my cards, but, you know, personally, 
Over the last couple of years, I have found myself giving up TV for Lent because it's really easy to turn to the remote control instead of turning to God. It's really easy to um, feel overwhelmed and say, oh, I'll pay attention to that later. What's on? Oh, the crown. There's a new season of the crown. There probably isn't, right? I don't know. There's a new season of the crown on Netflix. I'll watch that instead. I'll deal with this later. So for the last couple of years, I have given up TV. But for you, it might be, I named some of the other things already, it might be alcohol, it might be Facebook, it might be keeping your calendar full every night of the week so you don't have to be lonely. It might be shopping. Anybody a shopper out there? It might, be, it might be food. Maybe you numb yourself with food. It might be always turning everything into a good laugh. Because you know if you don't, you'll cry. I mean, I wonder, y'all, what would happen in our life? What would happen as a congregation if we all said, we're going to fast from something, something that's distracting us from God? We're going to allow the Spirit of God to drive us into the wilderness. Because the wilderness, now I want to talk about the wilderness, that thing that we avoid. The wilderness is not as scary as we think it is. And I want to say that we all are in different parts of our journey. Some of you all today are in a, in a time of preparation. Maybe there's a loved one that you know is going to die soon, and you know that that's going to be a deep wilderness for you. And so you are in a time of preparation for that. Maybe for some of you, you are, um, you are like running like hell from the wilderness and doing everything you can to avoid it. And I'll I will say, if you're running like hell from it, you actually are already in it. You just haven't given up control yet. Maybe some of you have just come out of a wilderness experience. You're on the other side of it, and you have seen that um, there are good things about the wilderness once you surrender to it. And so what is this wilderness? I will say it is the place that we avoid at all cost because it's a place that we see has few resources and few distractions. It's a place of rawness and vulnerability. It's a place of being alone. It's a time in our place in our life where we feel like the bottom has just absolutely dropped out and we do not know if there's anybody or anything there to catch us. It can be different for different people, but ultimately what I will say about the wilderness, it is the very place you fear that God is not. I didn't say God isn't there. It's the place you fear that God is not. And our fears, y'all, can be powerful mirages of truth. Mirages of truth. Because if we look to Scripture, it is the Spirit of God that actually calls us to the wilderness. 
In the verses just before we read in this gospel passage today, Jesus is baptized. He is named and claimed as God's own. In fact, the skies, they, he gets baptized, and the skies, I wish this would have happened at my baptism, they open up. And the Spirit of God descends on Jesus like a dove and lands on his shoulder. And then this voice from heaven calls out, This is my Son, chosen and marked by my love. This is my delight, the delight of my life. That's what the Spirit of God said. And then we end up with our scripture passage today where this very same spirit that named and claimed him and called him delighted, this very same spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. That tells me that though we mostly tend to avoid the wilderness, it does not have to be the scary place that we assume. The same spirit that named you and claimed you in your baptism also leads you to wilderness. It's crazy. And though we fear it and avoid it, those of us who have experienced it know that the wilderness can actually be a source of wisdom. And though it's difficult, it can be a portal to wholeness. Earlier this week, I uh, sat, we have a staff meeting with the executive team um, and the interns sometimes too, every Tuesday. Um, so the pastors and our directors sit together and we always start our time with devotion. And this week I read the entire Matthew 4 scripture um, of Jesus in the wilderness and uh, asked the question, tell us about one of your wilderness experiences. And then... How did the angels tend to you? We're not going to talk about the angels this week, but don't worry, there's angels to come and comfort you in this wilderness. And y'all, I mean, just think about that question in your own life. Tell me about a wilderness experience that you've been in. And how have the angels tended to you? The stories that were shared at the table, the pain, the vulnerability, the rawness, it was palpable in the room, even though many of the stories we shared were from years ago. It was clear that those wilderness experiences had shaped us and formed us, had clarified who we are, had been integral to our call, and that we would not be the people we were if we had not gone through those wilderness experiences. The moments of wilderness for us are clarifying because ultimately they are about giving up control and trusting that God will meet you there in your very helplessness. Because instead of using some sort of crutch, that thing I'm asking you to fast from, you have to let go of it and just sit with Jesus. It means you have to sit with the anxiety that you might be feeling, the embarrassment and shame that you might experience, the anger that bubbles up in you, 
See, we're used to dealing with these emotions by numbing them or disregarding them or casting them off as, as bad. But instead, what would happen if instead of numbing or casting aside, we entered the wilderness with this stance of investigation and kindness toward ourselves? To not shame ourselves for what we're experiencing, but to have kindness toward ourselves? I think that if we did that, we might discover a whole wide world that God, not the devil, which we'll get into next week, but that God is generally generously offering us. So friends, come to the wilderness. Because there is good news in this place. And if, if, if you're on the other side of a wilderness with what I'm about to say, maybe you can shout an amen or something out. But the good news is that we worship a God who in Jesus Christ has already gone ahead of us in the wilderness. He has already been to the most forsaken places of emptiness and isolation and shame and hurt and anger, and he has come out the other side. Amen. Amen. And so the good news is there is not a place we can go that our God does not know about. There is not a place in the wilderness that we can sit that God is not with us in, that Jesus has not overcome. So instead of living this twired life, this twired life that is trying to keep us from wilderness, we can simply let go. Give up control and let the Spirit lead us into this wilderness knowing that we will be met and held by the one who is named Emmanuel, God with us. We can let go of our fears and embrace the God who is the source of all love. Y'all, that is the good news today. Not that we won't go through wilderness, but that God will be with us in it. So come, We've got six weeks of this. Let's go to where the wild things are and trust that you will be met by the source of love who has, and will, that source of love will shape you and hold you into something more beautiful than you can even imagine.